Wednesday, Wednesday, so good to me. I know those aren't the lyrics to the song, but I don't know, couldn't think of another way to do a cold open, as they call it, um, into this podcast. Um, yeah, so it's Wednesday, keeping it regular, like my bells, uh, with the podcast. This terrible, terrible, mildly car-related, well, it's all, I say mildly car-related, it's, it's all it's about really, isn't it? Um, how is everyone? Hope you're well after... Uh, after the rumbunctious weekend uh, we had here in Ireland from Paddy's Day and then winning the Grand Slam. Come on, Ireland. Um, yeah, I, I drank like a fish on on Friday, St. Patrick's Day. Um, I went into the city centre, which was chaos. Every single pub was absolutely jammed to the rafters, but it was good crack. Um, started drinking at 12 a.m. and at 12 a.m., 12 p.m. even. Um, so I was at home and all in bed by about half eight. Um, some other of my cohorts were getting into the narcs, uh, which is not my bag, pun intended. Um, so I'd had my feed of points. I thought, you know what, this, only, this, this will only go one way um, and I don't want to be part of it. So I went home and I had a good night's sleep and I woke up Saturday not feeling too bad, to be honest. So I think I made the right decision. And then sure Saturday was the rugby and uh, drank, you know, watching that. And then I went to a pop concert on the on the Sunday evening, and I drank at that. And uh, then I woke up for work on Monday, going, "Oh my God, I'm no longer 22 years old. What am I doing? I can't do this." But I've recovered since. It's fine. It's now Wednesday, and I can't wait to go drinking again this weekend. Um, hope you all had a lovely a lovely Paddy's weekend. Anyway, it was it's 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 a fun time of year. You know, let's let's celebrate. Uh, Christianity being brought to Ireland and the fictional snakes being driven out by uh, celebrate our culture um, by getting absolutely hammered because that's what it's all about really isn't it um, I'm rambling so my motoring week pretty pretty quiet week um, motor motoring related week for me um, I went out on my bicycle uh, yesterday for the first time in a while I, I've I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a keen cyclist I'm not one of these people who wears lycra and goes baiting up mountains but i've done a lot of cycling over the years I've, I've used it as a commuting tool for quite a while um for places where it's just not i prefer driving as a hobby and um, i need to get somewhere i think especially within an urban environment the bicycle is not a bad option um but just between this and the third i've been doing an awful lot over the last like six months or so so it was a nice afternoon yesterday i said i'd get out my bicycle and i said after i cycle from my, my place into the city centre, buzz around, never know, might see some cars and buzz out. And I almost forgot, like, my God, driving in Dublin or driving cycling in Dublin, you really do take your life into your own hands. People are so oblivious, cyclists. Um, cyclists are also quite oblivious and a bit obnoxious, I will admit. Um, so, like, one thing is that I, I am one of all three of the modes of transport. I, I walk. I cycle and I drive, obviously. So I like to think I can bring elements of all those three modes of transport. Fucking hell. You can see, what, I really must stop doing this straight after work and after exercising. Um, and I'm just tired now and rambling and making no sense. But anyway, definitely, like, there are good and bad amongst all. Um, but the only thing is the bad always stand out because... Um, when you if people, someone's a good cyclist or a good driver, you just tend not to notice. It's but the bad people they stand out, and 
what I was out for like maybe two two and a half hours yesterday and I think I nearly got hit by four or five cars the most noticeable one was um, I don't like to judge books by a cover but um, it was a first generation KN Turbo uh, in rough enough condition with black tinted windows and I'm cycling up a barriered cycle lane the one that goes up along I suppose what do you call it Wick, Wick Camden Street Wicklow Street just near Whelan's there uh, in Dublin um, if you're not familiar with Dublin just google it and uh, yeah I'm cycling along and this guy just turns in over on, over the cycle path right in front of me now luckily my brakes work so I was able to stop but he just didn't see I was there at all and just big wing mirrors on those KNs um, that it, that happened several times that was just the worst of the bunch um, but yeah look just keep an eye out for cyclist people I know a lot of them seem like they're dickheads and some of them are but most of them aren't um, so just keep an eye out because we can all we can all share the roads we can we can all live together um, by going back to Paddy's Day actually um, one of my, my friends who I went boozing with um, I called into his house because he lives just off the Leeson Street Bridge um, before we went out for our first few points and uh, he got recently he recently got let go from his job so he thought the best thing to do was to, uh, to invest in a race sim um, nothing massively fancy you know just the seat the pedals the force feedback steering wheel and then the screen and the little pc to, to run a setup corsa so I gave that a go and um, before we went out and um, i could see how that could get incredibly addictive and um, chasing lap times and um, so it's 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 you know it's, it's more realistic than say a, a gran turismo and um, but i was like i don't have a lot of a lot of real life track experience but i don't know i i personally think there's only so much you could get from a sim because you just don't get this one obviously it's not in three dimensions and two i think the actual sensations of of being in an, in a car and actually moving and braking i'm not saying it's easier but i think I, I, i'd find it personally easier to get my head around actually being in a race car on a track than trying to go fast in a simulator because there's just not enough sensations coming through to make accurate judgments i think um now don't get me wrong my first few laps were terrible and i started steadily improving i was only i was only using it for about half an hour or so but as i said i, I could see how it could get very addictive um so that's why i i'm not and haven't bought one because i would absolutely turn into a hermit and uh before i knew it i'd be 56 years old and st- still sitting in my race sim trying to better my lap time around the nordschleife um but but yeah good fun and um, if you lose your job um either do or do or don't buy a race in um my friend did um he loves it but uh he also does need to find a job um and there's one small note of one car i did notice when i was out on my bicycle trip um i saw a clio rs um or as it was badged um being a japanese import a, a renault lutitia rs and it was the trophy um and to be honest only when I was right beside it, I heard a little burble from the exhaust. Did I notice it actually was a, a Clio RS? Because it was the, whatever the last current generation, whatever it was, that one was called. The one with the 1.6 turbo and only the, the dual clutch transmission. Um, and it's a bit more, I suppose it's kind of because you can buy any run of the mill car now with the, with the fancy trinkets, the wheels and the body kits you don't really notice the the performance ones which i suppose is a good and a bad thing but um yeah just like there's like i'm sure it's a great car and i'd love i'd love any of the older rs um renault products 
although they're all getting fucking very expensive and thin on the ground as with everything but yeah I, that one of those though like, don't get me wrong if you gave it to me I'm sure it'd be brilliant but there's just no appeal no appeal like that generation of Clio I, I quite like I think it's a good looking car but the fast one no couldn't care less couldn't put my money into one motoring news as we move on to as our, this is the normal way of things um, do you see uh, that MST crowd those lads who you've, I'm sure you've seen videos on the internet um, Johnny Smith's done a couple with them um, they make um, new uh, Mark 1 and Mark 2 Escort body shells and then you can go you can go you can go you can go simple, simple, or you can go balls out, you know, Millington race spec engine, dual clutch gearbox, full on rally car, essentially. Those lads, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but they just announced that they're going to start doing uh, new shells for the Metro 6 R4. That's going to be powered by um, the Audi V6, turbo V6 that's in the S4, S6, anyway, one of the, one of the fruity enough obviously they'll, they'll tinker with it um, but that'll be a cool thing the Metro 604 although not the most successful of the Group B rally cars there's just something very cool about it um, and having a new one like don't be honest it's easily going to be a six figure car but try and find a genuine uh, Metro 604 for anything less than what 300 grand minimum I'd say you'd want for one of them now if not more um, but yeah it'd be cool to see one of those um, Ineos Grenadier, uh, they've released their pickup. Um, where do I sit with the Ineos Grenadier? Um, I don't hate it. I, I, I don't hate it as much as I, I wouldn't own an old Defender because um, I don't see the point in having one unless you actually live on a farm. Um, they've just become fashion accessories and old Defenders are terrible to drive on the road. Um, but... At least the the granite and like the new defender is just a big obnoxious piece of shit. It's too big, and again bought by people who will never ever take them off road. Um, again, both are very capable. Don't get me wrong. And if I needed a, an off road vehicle, I'd maybe consider. But the Grenadier at least sits in the middle. It has the it has the looks of a defender, and then at least some of the modern accoutrement that the old defender doesn't have. But it's not as big and as ostentatious as the new defender. Um. So yeah, if you had to have one, if, yeah, sure. Was it Michael Petit? No, but anyway, there's a pickup version now. Just thought I'd throw it in there. Um, Ferrari released the Spider version of the Roma, which looks pretty terrible. Um, I like the the coupe Roma. I think it's a nice. Now it's very spec dependent, but I think it's a nice. It's an of all the modern Ferraris, it's it's, I, I, it's quite interesting. Um, but the Spider, the Spider redesign. The, uh, they haven't the back end is just fat and blobby and it's a bit of a mess and they kind of put you know wind deflector humps where the where the roof falls in it's look it up it, it's terrible um with the new cars oh uh ford announced that the uh the capri name is coming back and it's going to be an ev speaking of ford evs as well though they brought out um the Explorer EV, so the Ford Explorer, as we know, big SUV from back in the day. It's coming back now, obviously again as an e- as an SUV, but it's going to be an EV. I saw this news on I get I get the auto car news email. I think it must come once a day. I very rarely pay attention to it, but the headline was Ford release first EV, the Explorer. And I was like, 
wouldn't the Mac E be Ford's first EV? And it's not technically badged as a Ford, but it's a Ford. It's a Ford Mac E Mustang, whatever the fuck. It's a Ford. But anyway, yeah, another unexciting news. And Westfield um, is coming back. Westfield went into liquidation in 2022. Someone bought them and they're going to start production again uh, early next year. They'll have two rivals to uh, the, the Caterhams we know and love. You know, so it'll be a Lotus 7-esque sports car. Um, they haven't mentioned what engines they're going to be using. They also do remakes of 356 Speedsters um, and then I think 550 Spiders as well. Porsche is obviously not here, but they're obviously not badged as that because Porsche would shoot them. Um, they're going to bring back those as well and they're going to be EV. And it's all very early days yet, but but the brand is back. Um, you know, yeah, buy a Westfield if you don't want to cater them, I, I guess, yeah. Um, Dacia have confirmed they're going to start making the Bigster, um, clues in the name. It's going to be a big SUV, which is sad because I, I kind of like the fact that da- uh, Dacia, 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 whatever you want to call it, however you want to pronounce it. Um, you know, okay, of course they have the uh, the Duster, which is kind of a crossover SUV if you get it with four wheel drive, but understated nonetheless. But they've kind of not gone down the form of making endless crossovers and SUVs, but now the Bigster is on its way. Um, the concept objectively looked kind of good. But it's a big SUV, um, so fuck that. Um, again, speaking of SUVs that no one needs, Mercedes have also confirmed they're going to be bringing out a smaller version of the G-Wagon. It won't be called the G-Wagon. They'll have some other name. Um, it's going to be based on the GLE platform, I think. There'll be a couple of petrol versions, I think, and there'll be electric versions, obviously. No pictures of it yet, but yeah. Again, the G-Wagon, a car, especially the older versions, I have respect for, If you, especially if you need an off-road vehicle. Um, but again, yeah, they're just bought by people they want to pose um, in a car that's not as practical as other ones that are available and cost more money. Um, there'll now be a smaller one, so uh, people with who want the image and don't have enough money can um, also play the image game. Other shit, uh, electric vehicle news as well. Um, I'm sure you saw this. The Volkswagen are going to bring out a model below the ID3. It's going to be Polo-sized EV kind of look quite conventional and um, look like a a small hatchback with a combustion engine but it won't have a combustion engine it'll be electric that's called the id to all yeah whatever that means so yeah those are uh, bar the westfield coming back and those mst 604s bit of a boring week for car news um but there you go in case you didn't know now you know um I apologize how terrible this podcast is, but I, as I told you, I'm going to stick with it. Some some week I'm going to get a proper microphone. I might switch the day because doing it on a Wednesday after work is probably not the best time to be doing it. But anyway, um, Formula One. So we had the second round of the season in Saudi Arabia, Arabia and the Jeddah Street Circuit. Slightly more entertaining race than um, the opening round in Bahrain. Um, it's, an, you know, it's a very, very fast pace um street circuit which you know it adds to the spectacle um also it was kind of aided by the fact that charles de clerk unfortunately had a engine penalty so he dropped 10 places so he was in the middle of the pack then more interestingly max verstappen who was looking to cruise to an easy pole position had a drive shaft problem at the beginning of q2 which knocked him out in q2 so he started 15th so he was in the middle of the pack so 
the mix-up grid, you know, added in at least, you know, there was some guaranteed overtaking with those two coming through. But then it kind of, the first kind of quarter of the race was interesting enough. Then it kind of, there was a safety car, got going again, and then it kind of stagnated after that. Um, yeah, Max came all the way through. He got through to second. Um, his teammate, Sergio Perez, who ended up on pole, he led from start to finish. Um, uh, Max got the fastest lap just near the end and Perez couldn't match it so that means Max is still leading the championship by a point um, with that fastest lap um, the, two, the two Ferraris finished behind the two Mercedes um, which is not great because Mercedes are, are quite vocal about the woes of their car this season and the fact that Ferrari finished behind them shows that Ferrari are probably in worse stead than we even thought um, obviously it didn't help that Charles started back further but he didn't start as far back as Max and Max still absolutely ran away Red Bull are just on another fucking another stratosphere um, a few of the teams have Ferrari, McLaren and I'm sure all the other ones are, they're all bringing upgrades to Australia so maybe we'll see some changes but I said this before last time this is Red Bull season to lose and of course they had that reliability issue there with Max so you know anything can happen but it's all about it's all about Alonso this year. I even bought a I bought one of his hoodies. I'm I'm fully on board with with, with Fernando's my boy this year. His second podium out of two races. And he started on the front row with um, with Max's problem. Um he would have started third. No, what happened? Yeah, so he qualified. He qualified second. Outright, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um yeah, he got done by, by Max eventually, but finished third. He got a he got a five second penalty because he was slightly off his marks at the start of the race. He served it during the safety car. Then after the race, the uh, the FIA decided that he deserved a ten second penalty because the rear jackman had touched the car just before the five seconds was up. They reckoned, so he was on the podium. Then he wasn't on the podium. Then George Russell was on the podium. George announced he was on the podium celebrated it and then it turns out Alonso they appealed and then it turns out everything was fine so Alonso was back on the podium anyway Alonso got another podium so Alonso was a nice comfortable third in the championship behind the two Red Bulls um, so it's going to be one of those seasons like when Mercedes were very dominant and as much as I'm a Ferrari fan when Ferrari were dominant the real championship is going to be from third backwards the Red Bulls can run off into the distance so whoever finishes third is going to be the defunct champion or if or default champion, if you, if you will. And I, I'm going to put my money on Fernando. Um, we all just got to hold out for, he's going to get a win. If, if Aston Martin can keep on top of things, he's going to get a win at some point. There'll be, will, there will be a race where Red Bull, well, maybe. It's like, there's, never, there's never been a season where a team has completely done a whitewash. Um, the closest we came was 19... 19- 80, was it 88, the 88 season when McLaren won, when Senna and Prost were battling together, they won every single race bar uh, Monza that year and Ferrari ended up taking a 1-2 with Berger and what did it mean, Berger and Lacey at that point? Yeah, Berger and Lacey um, and it was the first it was, the, it was the only race that McLaren didn't win that year and Ferrari were having a bit of a relatively dryish spell so but they um i think prost dnf'd with a mechanical problem i think and 
Senna got tagged by who was it? Was it? Can't one of the backmarkers. His name escapes me now. Um, got tagged and got spun out. Um, I think he did finish the race. Can't quite remember. But anyway, Ferrari took up the spoils. But it was, it was the first race after the passing of Enzo as well. So it was a very bit of a Ferrari tale thing. Anyway, that was the closest a, a team came to having a whitewash. And um, Ferrari never actually managed it in their dominance, and neither did Mercedes. So although Red Bull look incredibly strong, and I wouldn't rule them out having a clean uh, a whitewash of a season, there will be an opportunity there somewhere. And hopefully it's Alonso who picks up the spoils. If it can't be the Ferraris, don't go. Not be wrong. I'm, I'm, my, I'm gonna say my, my blood runs red. Um, but obviously it does because blood is red. Um, but I'm a big Ferrari fan. But I'm also a big Alonso fan. So, yeah. So that's the F1. And um, there was a good battle um, for the last point actually um, between Sonoda and Kevin Magnussen. Um, fair, fair play to Sonoda. He really, really fought hard and did great to hold Magnussen back up until like I think was it the last lap yeah I think it was the last lap but Magnussen finally got him and got the final point um poor old Yuki was very frustrated but he he should he should feel proud in the performance he he raced really well um so yeah what was it so it was the two rebels um two rebels Alonso Stroll retired and that's what brought out the safety car Alonso the two Mercedes that's fourth fifth the two Ferraris, six, seventh. Who was eighth? I think it was Gasly. Eighth, ninth, I can't remember. Anyway, tenth was Magnussen. I think I think eighth was Gasly, or was it Gasly ninth? Who was eighth then? I'm trying to work out who all these. Anyway, look it up. Um, next race in Australia, which used to be traditionally the opening round. Actually, speaking of Australia, um. The podcast, the F1 Beyond the Grid, Paul Stoddart um, is on it this week. And um, Paul Stoddart bought Minardi, well, bought a stake of Minardi, controlling stake of Minardi in 2001. I think 2002 then was the first season he would have. It's great listening anyway, but the first race that they ever did in Australia, 2002, and it was Mark Webber's first race. And it was a big crash at the first corner, so it knocked a lot of people out. And Mark Webber was in sixth. Uh, so he was in fifth being chased down by Mick Asalo in the Toyota. Um, so obviously Australia being Mark Webber's home Grand Prix. Uh, Paul Stoddart is Australian. Um, and, you know, Minardi, if you don't know who are, were the, the minnows of the time, very rarely scored a point, very low-budget team. It's what it's what eventually became Toro Rosso and now Alvaterri. But anyway, he fin- Mark Webber finished fifth in that race, um, scoring two points, which was, in those days, was a big deal. Um just listen to the podcast. Um, he's a great character, as Paul Stoddart. Um, and yeah, so the next race is in is in uh, Melbourne. Um, again, it's like we've had so like Bahrain. It's very hot, very coarse um, tarmac. Jeddah is a street circuit with a very um, very forgiving, smooth tarmac. And then we're going to Australia, which is a very unique kind of track in itself. Its layout is not not like anything else. It's kind of a street circuit because it's in a park, which is public roads. So yeah, we, uh, Red Bull are going to win. Um, yeah, that's that's in a couple of weeks' time. We also had Rally Mexico, um, which was won by uh, Sebastian Oje, who was in for one of his. He's not doing his full season, but he was running second to Esteban Lapi. Um, uh, but Lapi then had a. A pretty bad crash on this at the start of the second day, 
So Auger took the lead and he never looked back after that. Um, it was Auger, Neuville and Evans, I think, on the podium. Um, so even though Auger isn't doing, well, he's, he's done two of the three rounds so far, um, but even the fact that he's not doing a full season this year, he's actually leading the championship, which is interesting enough. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many rounds he's doing. I wonder, could he win the championship without doing a full campaign? Be interesting to see. Um, I didn't catch a whole lot of it. Um, actually, I must say, the, the F1, I watched the F1 on my phone on mute because um, it was on a Mother's Day and I'd taken my mother out for dinner. Um, and me and my siblings had taken our mother out for dinner. Um, so, I, yeah, I kind of had a, I kind of had half an eye on it. Um, I should probably go back and watch it and maybe I'll garner more from it. But from what I, from the what I watched, it was pretty shit. Um but yeah, I didn't. I didn't get a whole lot of the coverage of them. Uh, I kept my eye on the on the rallying um, over the weekend, but Paddy's Day, Grand Slam, um, rugby, and then Sunday I went to a pop concert. Saying I had a lot on over the weekend, so I I, I kept my finger on the pulse with the with the rally, but um, not as much as I would like to have. Um, but it seemed like a good one. Um, rally Mexico, a good, proper gravel rally. Um, Next round for the WRC, I think, is Rally Croatia, which is in mid-April. Um, so we shall, I don't know who's entering that and who isn't entering it, um, but I'll update you with that. It's nearer the time. Um, we also had the first round of the World Endurance Championship, the 12 Hours of Sebring, on Saturday. Um, Ferrari's first race um, in the top class in over 50 years. And obviously, they did run the, the 323 SP, um, but that was a privateer. Um, outfit back in the 90s um, he also did Pro Drive built the 550 LMs but that was in that wasn't in the top category and then obviously they've been in GT uh, GT um, GT Pro um, for the last few years um, and they still are obviously but um, yeah so as a factory outfit this was their first outing in 50 years who else was there we saw they we did a good raft of the, the manufacturers there was Toyota Ferrari, Peugeot, Porsche, Glickenhaus, and Cadillac. Um, Ferrari managed to put it on pole in their first race, which was was good to see. Um, Anthony Fuoco um, put it on pole. They finished third, which isn't a bad um, isn't a bad turn of pace for the for the first race uh, for Ferrari. Um, unsurprisingly, um, the first two positions were taken by the by the Toyotas, because um, Toyota have a season, two seasons. I think isn't it, or at least, at least a season in hand. They were the first because they never left the Toyota um, after the change in regulations, um, so they went straight in. So they have a full season's worth of um, experience and data behind them in their hypercar. So everyone is playing catch up with the Toyotas essentially. Um, so yeah, Toyota number seven, which was Kobayashi. Um, who was it? Kobayashi, Mike Conway, and. Uh, Juan Marie Lopez, um, the 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 number seven car, um, finished ahead of the number eight. Um, we shall see. That's the only, I love. I do love the World Endurance Championship. It's great. I love. I watch Le Mans every year. Um, but the problem is, like they do a balance of performance where they try and they'll, they'll ballast cars and such and such to try and keep the performance equal amongst amongst the category or amongst the cars within the categories. The only problem is. Teams have often sandbagged in opening rounds in the WEC so that they have an, an advantage come Le Mans because a lot of them will just one Le Mans double points, um, but some manufacturers will sacrifice an entire season just to win Le Mans because it is the jewel in the crown. 
Um, but the problem is, yeah, like, like Ferrari might have the quickest car for Le Mans, and that's why they didn't win. Now, probably not. But yeah, we we shall see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, it was it was. I only caught the highlights. Um, but it seemed like a, a pretty good race. Um, and then the next round of the WRC is the six hours Portimao, I think, which is in April. I might actually see if I could squeeze that in. It wouldn't be a bad thing, bad thing to attend. But yeah, next one, that's, I think it's the 17th of April um, for that. So I think possibly the same weekend as the next um, round of the WRC. Um, but yeah, that's more sport news for you. Um, um, sorry, this has just been very terrible. How many minutes have I been recording so far? nearly half an hour very rambly very terrible as always um so i'll finish off as i normally do and um, my classified find of the week um a 1990 peugeot 309 1.3 glx and um, it's got the 1.6 gti alloys on it and um, the pepper pots but it's a lovely kind of teal i say you would call it teal color um it doesn't it say what the mileage is um I don't think it's the mileage, but the thing is, it it looks and according to the ad, it's in absolutely fantastic condition. Um, it is. It doesn't say if it's taxed. I'm not sure if it's taxed on CTs, but it's got Hancock four Hancock tires on it. Um, if going by the pictures, it looks like it's in immaculate condition. Um, like it is absolutely perfection, um, inside and out. Now, obviously, an actual real world inspection would would be um advised to make sure like even as the original clarion peugeot head unit um 3950 it's in dublin again i have this saved i really should go and look at this this is a car that i would love to buy i don't know why i tell you people these things people like does anyone listen to this but um, yeah that's my classified find of the week 1990 peugeot 309 glx and um, 3950 it's a one done deal it won't take you a long time to find that there aren't many Peugeot 309s for sale in Ireland generally so yeah you'll find that no problem um, instead of a YouTube channel this week I'm recommending a movie um, it's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and um, I think it's on Amazon um, but you know I'm sure you can get it otherwise as well um, it's it's one of the best comedy movies I've seen in a long time it's, uh, it's Nicolas Cage playing a semi-fictionalized version of himself um, and he gets involved with a wealthy super fan played by Pedro Pascal and uh, hilarity ensues. I won't tell you too much more than that. Other than that. Um, there's a car chase in it um, with Nicolas Cage driving a V8 Defender um, Defender, car, would you call them a cabriolet pickup? Whatever you would call it. Um, short wheelbase. Um, I can't remember what is... What is his enemy who was chasing him, I can't remember what he's in, some sort of black SUV thing. Can't quite remember what it was. Um it's kind of an homage to the crazy um car chase scene from the other another Nicolas Cage movie, um, The Rock, when he is driving a yellow three five five spider and being chased by Sean Connery in um Sean Connery in a uh, in a Hummer, a H one Hummer. Um or it could be the other way around. Um it's been a long time since I've seen The Rock. Um, speaking of Sean Connery, um, when Burt Bacharach passed, I heard this uh, this joke. Um, Burt Bacharach and Sean Connery were out for dinner, and Burt Bacharach goes to Sean Connery. Sean, um, who's your favorite composer? Schubert. No? Okay. Um, and then for my song this week, I'm, it's a song called uh, Biochemical Equation. 
and it is again it's not a brand new song it's from a couple of years ago um but it is the rizza from the wu-tang clan and mf doom um two powerhouses of the hip-hop world rizza being the the abbot as he is uh, familiarly known of the wu-tang clan he's like if you haven't seen the wu-tang documentary it'll explain it all but rizza started produced he did he's the brains of the wu-tang clan um, and then MF Doom, who is your favorite rapper's favorite rapper, and um, who sadly passed away last year. What was it, 2021? Anyway, he passed away not so long ago. But an unbelievable rapper. Um, but yeah, they have a song together called Biochemical Equation. Check that one out. It's class. Um, so yeah, I apologize for again for how terrible this is. If you, if you have been listening, I, I love you very much. Um, I'm going to see Blind Boy later on this evening, um, which will be interesting, in Vicar Street. Uh, it's always good fun. Uh, I went to see him before. Um, and the good thing is you don't know what his guest is going to be. So it'll be interesting to see who his, his guest will be. Maybe be Eddie Irvine. Probably not. Um, but yeah, until I speak to you again, be safe, be safe, be well. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.